This message is brought to you by Moira Pentecostal Church. We hope that it will encourage, challenge, and inspire you in your walk with God. Joshua chapter 4. And reading from verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the tribe of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before, before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel." That this may be a sign among you, when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of Jordan were cut off from before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Amen. In every city in the land, in every town, in every village, there are memorials. It may be a pillar, maybe a column, maybe a plaque on a wall, stained glass window, or even a gravestone. And these things have been put here all to remind us of something or someone. Something or someone was worth celebrating and being remembered. Someone laid down their life for their country. Someone invented something that has helped humanity. Some of these memorials go back hundreds of years. Others are just very recent. The purpose is to remind not only this generation, but the following generations that someone or something was worth remembering. And Joshua ordered a pillar of stones to be set up not only for that generation, but for future generations to remind them that God had done something wonderful, mighty in this particular place. And so, as he said, in future generations, a father would be walking along with his son and his son would say, Dad, what does that pile of stones mean? Why is it there? Then that father would take time to tell them the story of how God opened up the Jordan and how they crossed over and defeated Jericho, and a great victory was accomplished. And so, memorials are to look back and remind ourselves of God's faithfulness, and also to look forward to God's promises in the future. Being thankful and being mindful go together. The title of the message this morning is, Are We Truly Thankful? If we are thankful of God's blessings, it is because we have been mindful of God's blessings. And if we're mindful of God's blessings, it gives us an opportunity to be thankful for God's blessings. Now, Joshua knew these people. He wandered in the wilderness for 40 years with them. 
And he knew how they complained and they griped and they moaned and they groaned. Even after God had delivered them with a mighty hand from their oppressors, the Egyptians. And within days of that great victory and opening up the Red Sea for them, within days of that, they were complaining against God about the food and the water. And so Joshua knew what they were like. And so he set up these memorials to remind them and future generations that God had done something wonderful for them and they could look back and see that not just as a historic event, but they could look back and see what God has done and remind themselves, well, if God did that then, then he can do this now. If God was as mighty then, then he's as mighty today. That was the whole idea, to remind them that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, we're no different than those Israelites. All too often we forget in our present struggles, we forget how good as God has been to us in our previous struggle. That maybe it was only a month ago or a year ago or even 10 years ago. And we so quickly forget those blessings. And we struggle and we complain and we gripe even against God himself. We may not say the words, but in our heart that's what we do forgetting how good God has been to us in the past. And we become unmindful of his blessings. And therefore we become unthankful. So are you truly thankful today? Am I truly thankful today? Am I reminding myself of God's blessings in the past and encouraging myself for his blessings in the future? Sunday mornings, almost every Sunday morning, we hold communion here. We break bread together. It is a memorial table. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. And by looking back, again, not just an historic event, but something that's relevant to us today and tomorrow. Something for us to remember often, the Bible says, as often as you do this. So this should be something that we should be doing regularly and thinking about it. It reminds us of the price that Jesus paid for our sins. It reminds us of the power of Jesus over the evil one. It reminds us of the provision of Jesus. My blood that's shed for you, my body that's broken for you. It reminds us of his promise to us. Because the Apostle Paul says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So there's a great promise that is seated in the very communion. In Mark chapter 8. There's a story here of the feeding of the 4,000. Now Mark chapter 6, there's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Critics of the Bible say that that Mark got kind of mixed up in his, his record. And that uh, he was really speaking of the two, that these two events were just one event. And there are some similarities. Obviously, there's bread and fish involved. There's a great multitude of people involved. Uh, there's a miraculous multiplying of the bread and the fish. All of that is true. Uh, but there's some things that are very different. It's in two different places, for instance. And in the first one, there was 5,000. In this one, there's 4,000. In the first one, there was 12 baskets over. Uh, in this one, 
It's not 12 baskets left over. And, it, and actually, the clincher is Jesus actually talks about Leah's two different events completely. But the feeding of the 4,000, now this happened within probably weeks of each other. Maybe even days, but more than likely weeks of each other. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me these three days having nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? I mean, you have to stop there and think about that. How could they be so stupid? I mean, it's only weeks ago when they saw Jesus multiplying bread and fishes. And they had a part in that, actually. Jesus blessed it, and as they gave it out, it supernaturally multiplied. Now, you would think when that would happen, you'd never forget that, wouldn't you? I mean, that's got to be the greatest miracle you're ever going to see. I mean, that's a creative miracle. And you would think, well, once you see that, that I mean, that's it for life. But obviously not. Certainly not with these fellows here. And so, how can we satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to them, also be, set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away, and immediately got into a boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmathua. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with them, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them, and getting into a boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. He's talking about their teaching and their attitude and the way they do things. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Unbelievable, isn't it? They had seen two of the greatest miracles recorded in the Bible and they're concerned because they have only one loaf. What are we going to do? We have only one loaf. Now before we condemn them, that's exactly what we do. In our present predicaments, we forget how good God was in the last struggle, in the last battle. For the most part, we do. Do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of fragments did you take up? And they said, 12. 
Also, when I broke the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? <laughs> what a rebuke. Can you not get it through your thick skulls? If I could put it in the vernacular. How can you not remember what I've done for you just a few weeks ago? Just days ago? Just hours ago? Can you not remember? It's so easy for us to forget and be unmindful of God's blessings. And because we're unmindful, we become unthankful. And when we're unthankful, we begin to complain and unbelief comes in. Being thankful does three things for us. First of all, it causes us to focus more on what we have rather than what we haven't got. There is a tendency within all of us to focus on what we haven't got rather than what we have got. And even though it's a a human natural tendency, but we need to be very careful of it because it can make us unthankful, ungrateful and make us forget God's blessings. Now there is a genuine desire and hunger for more of God which is good and healthy. All of us want more of God. Can I say amen to that? But we need to be careful for reasons why we want more of God. You can desire the right thing for a wrong reason. Do we want more of God for God to be glorified or we want more of God to be seen of man? In Acts 8, Simon the sorcerer. You remember how Philip went to Samaria and he had a great revival And there's tremendous miracles happening. Devils were cast out. Lame were walking. People were getting saved. It was a wonderful revival. And Simon the sorcerer in that area, who had held great sway for years, from the least to the greatest, actually it says, that he bamboozled the people and they were in awe of his powers. But when he saw the miracles that Philip was doing, the Bible says he believed and was baptized. Now, either that was genuine or Philip made a mistake baptizing him. I'll leave that hanging there for you to decide. But what we do know is that whenever Peter and John heard about the revival, they came down to see for themselves. And the Bible says they began to lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them. And when Simon saw how that the giving of the Holy Spirit came through the laying on of hands, he was amazed and he desired to be able to do that. Now, there's nothing wrong. That's a good desire, but it was for entirely the wrong reason. And when he saw that power being displayed, he wanted that, not for God's glory, but for his own glory. And Peter sensed that and perceived that in him. In fact, he said to Peter, I want to pay for this. Peter says, your money perish with you. You have no part or lot in this. Your heart is full of bitterness. They wanted the right thing, but for a wrong reason. And so our heart's desire is for more of God. Yes, that's wonderful. But make sure it's for His glory. It's also good and healthy to desire more of God's blessing in our life, whatever that blessing may be. 
That's also good for us to have. But we need to be careful that our desire for his blessings doesn't control our life to the point where actually it comes between us and God. Because that can happen too. And we become ungrateful for what we do have because we want more of what we believe are God's blessings. And there's many things he can bless us with that are not in necessarily themselves spiritual things. But he can give us good things as well. Demas teamed up with the Apostle Paul as a missionary evangelist. But he quickly realized, he wasn't too long into the journey, he realized that Paul really had no interest in things or stuff. None whatsoever. But Demas had. And so it must have came as a shock to him to hear Paul say things like, having food and clothing let us therewith be content. Or, I have learned whatever state I am to be content. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. I know how to be abased. I know how to be bound. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I think when Demas heard the words abound and he heard the words full, I think that pleased him. But when he heard the words abased, when he heard the things of it going without, it wasn't too long that he packed his bags and he was gone. And Paul wrote his epitaph. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. If only he had been thankful and grateful that God placed him alongside a spiritual giant that could mentor him and teach him and train him up in the things of God. If only he had stopped and been grateful and thankful for that, what he had, what he was given, instead of what he didn't have, then Paul's epitaph might have been different. He might have said about him that he said about John Mark, bring him to me for he is profitable for me for the ministry. Being thankful and grateful helps us to focus more on what we have got than what we haven't got. If we're not thankful for what we got, then we shouldn't be looking at anything more. We shouldn't even dare ask God for anything more if we're not thankful for what He's given us. If somebody keeps giving you and giving you and giving you and giving you and you never even thank them, doesn't your attitude change a bit? Don't you think, are they not thankful? Do they not appreciate this? And God gives and he gives and he gives and he gives and he gives. Do we ever stop even in a day to say, thank you, Lord, for that? Thank you for that blessing. Thank you for that gift today. Being thankful reminds us also that God is our source. When Jesus said to those disciples in Mark 8, do you not remember? What was he saying? He said more than just do you not remember the 5,000. He said more than that. In effect, he said, do you not remember that God is your source? Do you not remember that God supplied that for us? Do you not remember that? He's pointing them back to God being the source. And within 
weeks and possibly days, they had forgotten that God was their source. Now, as we said many times, God uses various channels to bless us. But sometimes those channels fail. The firm closes. Things begin to happen that you haven't planned for. Circumstances in life change. Illness comes. Market takes a downturn. But the source still remains. The source is still the same. Downstream, a river may get clogged up. Uh, whenever I grew up in Ballyclare, where I came from, I could look out my back window and I could see the Six Mile River. And at this time of the year, in the summertime, it was, it was wonderful because when you finished school, you went down to the river and you played at the river. Our parents didn't know the half of it. They wouldn't have slept in their bed at night. Because when you're only a little lad, the big fellows got you, and got you by the arms and legs and threw you in. <laughs> so you, you had to be careful who, who the big guys were and keep well away from them. But that river, what we found is at certain times of the year, it began to get clogged up. Maybe there was a sheep drowned in it. Not a very good place to swim, but there's a drowned sheep upriver a little bit. Or maybe dried up a little bit because of lack of rain. Or maybe got diverted here and there. But as long as the source was still there, then you knew that when the rains would come, that river would flood and it would clean itself and it would be back into great shape again. And even though the circumstances of our life may change and the river may get clogged up for a while and it may get diverted here and there, but as long as the source remains... The floods will come and the river will flow again deep and wide. We've got to remember and be thankful that God is our source. Matthew 6, of course, is that lovely encouraging word that Jesus spoke. In 20, verse 25, we know it so well. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things shall be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He who sees the sparrow who falls knows exactly what we need. There's a magpie came into our garden last week. It had no tail. So whether it had a fight with a hawk and escaped, 
or the skin of its teeth, or whether a cat had tackled it, we don't know, but it was struggling and it was limping. And we saw it going underneath our bushes. And I said to Sally, it's probably going underneath there to die. Because that's where birds go when they want to die. Apart from a bird getting hit by a car, think of all the millions of birds there are. You never see them dead, do you? Where do you think they go to die? They go underneath the bushes and they hide there until they die. And God sees every single little sparrow that falls. And if he sees every sparrow that falls, does he not see us who are much more value than many sparrows? Does he not care about us? If he cares about the wee sparrow, does he not care about us? I think that he does. Being thankful opens up our hearts for even greater blessings. Don't need to turn to it, but Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that Paul puts with thanksgiving right in the middle of praying and supplicating. Now isn't it a truth that very often in our prayers that sometimes we are well into our prayers asking for things before we even stop and thank God for what He's already done. I've done it. We've all done it, haven't we? And we need to stop and think and say, Lord, I'm going to thank you for what you have done, what you have given, before I even ask you for a single solitary thing. I'm just going to thank you. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18, don't turn to it. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. Not necessarily for everything, but in everything. Find an occasion to thank God. Joseph Parker was arguably one of the greatest preachers in London in the 1800s, there was Spurgeon, there was F.B. Meyer, there was Joseph Parker, there was these great preachers. Churches was packed to capacity. Joseph Parker's prayers were recorded, and his prayers sometimes were better than his sermons, although he's a great preacher. But he always was positive and thanked God. And one morning, Sunday morning, it was a horrible, terrible day, awful day, rain and wind and gales. And everybody thought, well, I wonder what he's going to thank God for today. He got up and he says, God, I thank you that not every day is like this day. <laughs> and I went home with his prayer. In Acts chapter 5. The apostles have been arrested for preaching in the name of Jesus, not for the first time. They were put on trial, and, and Gamaliel, the great uh, rabbi, that great 
Pharisee, he said, and be very careful, he said to the son, he'd be very, very careful because if these men are not of God, well, this thing will just die out. But if these people are of God, then we'll be found fighting against God, so be very careful. And they listened to him. But even though he listened to him, they decided they were going to beat up these apostles as a warning and then let them go. And that's exactly what they did. Verse 40, And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, is verse 40, and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They had just been beaten, whipped. They were hurting, bruised, bloodied. And yet, they found some reason in the midst of all of that to rejoice, and it was to be counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Do you remember in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, how they too were imprisoned and how they were beaten? And I mean, the beating was brutal. Their backs would have been like plowed fields. And they were thrown into that hellhole of a prison, into the inner prison with stocks. And it would be dark and dank and damp and maybe rat invested. And in the midst of all of that, what did they do? Their hearts lifted up to God. And they began to pray and to sing praises unto the Lord. They found something to be thankful for in the midst of that horrible situation. And boy, did God break through in their lives, didn't he? And sent that earthquake and opened up the prison doors. And the first church in Europe was born right there. I wonder would that have happened if they hadn't been thankful unto the Lord. But they were. And through that situation and that jailer and his family getting saved, that first church was born in Europe and it spread all the way to us today. Being thankful finally that clock over there. Being thankful finally honors God. Luke chapter 17. <coughs> Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. That happened as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. They entered a certain village, and there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. Leprosy today is a horrible, terrible disease, but it was a thousand times worse in those days. There was absolutely no medication whatsoever, no relief, no help at all was available. And according to the law of Moses, they would have to separate themselves. They'd have to live apart from the rest of the community. They'd have to wear a veil over their face or a cloth as they would go about. Isn't it interesting that science today 
has discovered that leprosy very often is spread by nasal droplets. Sneezing. You remember just, was it a couple of years ago, that whenever that flu, whatever flu that, I don't know, it was pig flu or swine flu or some sort of flu came. Remember they had the ads on about not sneezing in buses? And it showed you how a sneeze can travel from the back right up to the driver at the front. It was awful, wasn't it? And yet all those thousands of years ago, before medical science, God says, put the veil over their face. And so they would do that. And they would keep their distance. Customarily, it was about 100 paces. That seemed like a good distance. And so when anybody came near them, they would keep their distance. Everybody would know what they had. And it was such a debilitating, stigmatizing disease that separated them from their families, from their communities. And they only had each other. And so they stood afar off and they lifted up their voices because very often their larynx was affected. It attacked the nerves underneath the skin and made things go numb. And, and it, sometimes it would attack those internal organs like the larynx. And so having to raise their voice to carry a hundred paces, maybe a hundred yards, they, they had to shout and it wasn't easy for them to do that. So they shouted unto him, Jesus, have mercy on us. They knew he could do it, but would he do it? They knew he had the might, but did he have the mercy? They knew he had the cure, but did he have compassion? Have mercy on us, they shouted. And unlike the leper that Jesus touched and healed, in this case, what does he do? He said, go show yourself to the priests. Because according to the Levitical law, that's what they were supposed to do. If somebody thought that they were in remission, for instance, or somehow or other the leprosy was receding or going away, they would go to the priest, they'd be examined, there'd be rituals to go through before they could be entered back into society, before they could be announced clean again. So he says, go yourselves to the priest, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. The man that Jesus touched was cleansed instantly. But in this case, it was as they went. Now, I'm not sure how that worked out. Uh, wonder what it felt like to go if you had been one of those lepers. I wonder would you have been walking along and, and feeding your ears and your skin and your legs and to see if anything was happening? Did you feel anything? Were you looking at each other to see if there's any change? Did it all happen at once at some point? But somewhere between leaving Jesus and getting to the priest, something happened. And suddenly, they were cleansed. It took a bit of faith to do what they were doing. It took some obedience to do what they were doing, but they did it, and as they went, they were cleansed. wonder what happened when they were cleansed. Can you imagine that? I wonder, did they rejoice and jump up and down and hug each other and shout? And I mean, it must have been, they must have went wild for a moment or two. And then they went on, showed themselves to the priest. And what happened after that? 
taken back. All ten of them to give thanks. Huh? No. Unless you've got a different Bible in mind. Just one come back. Just a Samaritan. Just one come back. They all went to the priests. They all were given the all clear. And only one out of the ten thought, do you know what? I need to go back and see Jesus. I need to go and thank him for what he has done. Only one out of the ten. Is it possible that only 10% of us today is thankful? Is it possible that only 10% of the church is thankful unto God for what he has done for us? He cleansed us of our sins. I mean, if there's nothing else to be thankful for, that's going to take all eternity to give thanks for that, isn't it? He didn't heal the lepers by way, he cleansed the lepers. Leprosy was a sign of was a, a type of sin in the Old Testament. And so he comes back. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice he glorified God and fell down at his feet. Not a hundred paces away, but right at his feet. And now he's got a, a new voice. And what is he going to do with that new voice? He's going to glorify God, isn't he? He's going to give thanks. He fell down at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He was thoughtful. He came back. And he was thankful. He glorified God. Because he was mindful, he was thankful. How quickly the other nine, how quickly... They accepted the blessing and dismissed the blesser. Do we do that? Do we take all the blessings but forget to bless the blesser? Do I do that? I'm sure there's times that I do. I'm sure there's times when God blesses me in ways and I'm so blessed with the blessing that I forget to bless the blesser of the blessing. I don't want to do it, but I'm sure there's times I have done it. Jesus answered and said, Where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give, thank, give glory to God except this foreigner? Of course, Jesus was going to teach lessons to the, to the Jews because this was a marathon. Where are the nine? Well, where were they? That's a good question. Where were they? I mean, what, what did they do? Wonder did one of them say, you know what? My business has been just devastated because of this illness. I've had this for five years. My business has gone down the tubes. You know what? I need to go and get that started again. I need to spend my time building up that business again. Maybe that's what he did instead of taking five minutes to go and find the Savior. Maybe one of them was a young person. Maybe thought, I better go out with my mates tonight. Have a party. Instead of going to the prayer meeting, giving God thanks. 
Maybe another one said, you know what? I've been separated from my family for so long now and my wife and my children, they need me and your wife and your children do need you. So I'm just going to go and I'm just going to make up all that lost time. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've got the rest of your life to do that. What about taking five minutes to thank the master? Do you know what? 35 years of being a pastor, I've lost count of the people that I've met in church and out of it that has prayed for God's blessing in their life. And God has blessed them and blessed them and blessed them. And they're not in the house of God today because they're so taken up with the blessings. They've forgotten the blesser. God blessed me with a husband, blessed me with a wife, blessed me with children, and God's good and God does that. And then family time becomes the most important thing. And the house of God takes a back seat. Seen it so many times. And we forget the blesser. This thankful man lifted up his voice because he was helped. He fell on his face because he was humbled. Are we thankful today? And we'll be thankful tomorrow? Here's a little exercise. Sometime this afternoon, when you're on your own, maybe you'll go walk, maybe you'll go a little drive, maybe you'll go into your room, maybe you'll switch the TV off, but just take five or ten minutes and sit back and say, Now, Lord, I want to thank you. And begin to think of the things that you can thank him for. And truthfully, when you start, you may not be five or ten minutes. You may be 30 or 40 minutes. You may be an hour. And if you wrote them down, you could be there all day. Because you can go back and go back and go back and go back. And it may surprise you, as a little song said, what the Lord has done in your life. And do you know what? It honors God. It honors the Lord when you thank Him. When you thank Him. It honors Him. We try to honor each other with thanks, don't we? We don't always do it, but we try to do that. We try to remember. How much more Him today? thanking him there's a wee child you hear its wee voice it's not such a blessing for Ferns and for Cheryl and for the Bloomfields and the Ferns family back home there's a little gift of God in their life and I know that they're thankful as a couple oh yes sometimes when that child's crying at 12 at night and it won't sleep and all the rest of it you're, you can think of other things but <laughs> But for the most part, you're, you're thankful and you're grateful. I know sometimes we moan and groan, and, you know, but children being noisier, this and that. Hey, listen, aren't you glad they've got a voice? Aren't you glad they can say something? Eh? Let's, let's find a reason to be thankful today. Just for God's blessings in our lives, in our families' lives. I want to talk tonight, by the way, it's in the prayer meeting Thursday night. And very often in the prayer meeting, this happens to me, very often I get a message in the prayer meeting. And I, we're praying the prayer meeting, and the Lord really, really impressed something in my heart for tonight. So I want to do that this evening, all right? 
So come and find out what it was. All right. So the Lord bless you. So let's be thankful today. We're going to take communion. And this is our memorial. Let's do in remembrance of me. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more messages like this one, visit us online at www.mpc.org.uk. You will also find a selection of informative videos at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal.